Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And clang, clang, clang went the monkey. Bang, bang, bang went my eardrums. Listening to Gerard Butler, we're looking at Phantom of the Opera. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Joe, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm not over clang, clang, clang with the monkey. Wow. Um, well, what else was that little monkey uh, music box doing? He's going clang, clang, clang with yeah, little no, I, symbols. I, I get it. This movie would have been vastly improved with the appearance of Judy Garland, that's for sure. But um, I don't know what she would have done, <laughs> but it would have been better. Oh, uh, Madame Geary, if I ever well, saw yes, one. I know, but then, then you need a song for Madame Geary who doesn't oh, you know, have that's one. True. That's true. Well, she can do some kind of adaptation of clang, clang, clang with the monkey. She can, you can, you can shoehorn clang, that in. Clang, clang, clang with the monkey. <laughs> this is a listener request from Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. And uh, before we start our episode, I, I just want to get out there. It's okay to like a movie and it's okay to dislike a movie. Yes. Uh, and and uh, apologies if we say anything <laughs> that will... Um, upset you i know this is a, a again a request but um right and i know that there's there are people looking up on because i've done like some some perusals on youtube of everything from clips to phantoms throughout mm-hmm. the years the decades and clips from this movie and the youtube comments are fascinating to yeah. me of the people that love this movie and i don't know i don't know if it's we were wondering if it's like people who the movie is their, their only first experience they're either their first experience mm-hmm. with the fan of the opera or maybe their only experience that they've never seen it live or I, I don't know i'm also coming to this which we'll get into but with with a particular point of view of andrew lloyd weber at even by the time in my life that i saw this film so i'm coming to it with a lot of baggage and with a lot of professional experience and opinions that expertise expertise but also snobbery that absolutely 100 (laughs) affects my viewing of this film but i will say what is snobbery but casual expertise (laughs) well and my expertise is hard one i'll tell you that uh listener if you haven't done so already please subscribe and tell a friend if you are enjoying the show please oh and also if you want to request a movie for us to check out email us at and almost starring at gmail.com and let us new presto movie phantom of the opera came out on december 22nd 2004 and was written by joel schumacher and andrew lloyd weber directed by joel schumacher adapted from the musical by andrew lloyd weber amy joe what is your experience with the phantom of the opera and we gotta talk your experience with yes. the show and your experience with this the, the movie a loaded question um okay <laughs> let's go all right so the movie just for the film version this was only my second time seeing it same 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 which is plenty um i saw it the first time in 2004 when it came out like over that christmas break my brother and i were both home from college so in theaters in theaters in oh theaters, yeah oh yeah we went in knowing this could be rough but we're gonna do it anyway so we saw it in theaters with my parents i think i've only seen it two or three times on stage i definitely saw the tour oh. when i was much younger now thinking about it i wonder who who was in it i don't have like that old playbill but i bet i could like look up some stuff and and try and suss out because i don't remember like what how old i was when i saw it but i definitely Mm -hmm. saw it on tour and then i saw it 
on Broadway because Aaron hadn't seen it. My brother Aaron hadn't seen it yet. And we were in New York. I don't even remember when. Maybe I was in college by this point. But basically we went to the TKTS booth and couldn't even get two seats together. Like oh. it was still such a hot come on. It's a hot tip. And so um, there was one seat on the very front row of the orchestra and one like mid-mez. And I was like, Aaron... Like, you need to go sit in the mez so you can see the thing. Oh, sure. I'm like, if you're sitting on the front row, you're not going to see most of what, like, yeah. the spectacle of this. Yeah, so I true. was, and it was fun to see it that close, but yeah, you're like, what? You can't even see the chandelier, all that right, kind of stuff. You right, know? right. Yeah, this is one you want to be further back to. I yes. think there's, let me, let me read one of the lyrics please. I wrote down. Let the spectacle astound you. And mm. I wrote, if that's not a summation of the British invasion musicals of the 80s and Andrew Lloyd <laughs> Webber specifically, then I don't know what is. Um, so, like, this was one that I listened to a lot growing up because I was a musical theater nerd, but it was never... I don't know. I was a little soprano growing up, too. I, I was not a belter. So, like, I, I... But I grew up singing, like you know, like a Rodgers and Hammerstein soprano stuff, not this kind of like, I don't know, like opera light, uh, opera adjacent, opera-esque um, soprano stuff. So I don't even remember if I actually had any desire to play Christine. I mean, I probably did because I wanted to, pl- I wanted to play that, play it all. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I was never like obsessed with this show. Like some of my friends, <laughs> I had this friend growing up now we're in middle school at this point. So, you know, probably too old to be this dramatic, but it was middle school. But, um, we, she had this little a window that opened directly onto the roof mm-hmm. of her house. And so like we could go you could go sit. There was a little spot where it felt very safe to like sit on the roof right outside her window. And we would take candles and sit out there and like sing Andrew Lloyd Webber's PA Yesu <laughs> from the Requiem kind. I mean, like it was so ridiculous. But she was obsessed with yeah. Phantom and obsessed in particular with like, like, why do I know the Phantom's name is Eric with a K? Because of this friend who read the original novel and was sure. just like super into yeah. it. So and I wasn't that level. And I pretty early on was like, oh, I think actually I prefer like Les Mis. Maybe I'm, I'm someone who prefers more of a, a, a Sondheim situation. Like I, I right, pretty right. quickly, like I was much more of an into the woods head than a Phantom head. But so I, I ha- but I came to it knowing, unfortunately, just about every word, like you can't kind of escape it if right. you grew up when I grew up listening to what I listened to. So it's everywhere. Oh. I mean, it was it's huge. I mean, it's still huge. It's the longest running Broadway musical currently. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, when will this ever get overtaken by something else? You know, well, like I have to close. What? <laughs> This is true, but like, what's gonna overtake it? Lion King, probably. Really, you think Lion King is gonna overtake yes. it? Yes, eventually. Or Chicago. I think one of those two might be the one that just sticks it out. Yeah, the longest. Yeah, I don't know. You know, we'll see. Uh, as for me, yeah, I, I'll go backwards. So the film I saw once before we watched it, I saw it in theaters. To me, the most memorable thing about that movie experience mm-hmm. was that. My girlfriend at the time lost her phone in the theater. <laughs> so we had like fully we left. We're in the parking lot. And she's like, I think I left my phone there. And I was so like, I don't even want to go back into this theater. I was like, I'm sure you left it. You forgot it at home. So we had to go back in and just like combing through these aisles for longer than it should have taken before we finally found our seat. We'd, we'd like found our seats, but couldn't find the phone. So we're like, clearly these aren't our seats. And went through various rows before finally coming back and finding her phone, like had skittered between like a few 
You just really As stuck in there in the seats. To do. As they want to do. They love skittering those phones. But that, to me, was the most memorable thing about that experience. The most memorable thing about it for me, this about the theater going experience, seeing it in movie theaters, was Aaron and I turning to one another when, mm-hmm. when like uh, the phantoms in the graveyard is discovered. They're like they love each other. Oh no! And the like the crane shot goes up, and we yeah. both just turn to one another and go intermission. <laughs> <laughs> like in unison right, without right. ever discussing because you it. didn't do everything the phantom <laughs> asked of you yeah yeah so uh you know i saw it the one time i did not find it a particularly memorable movie going experience because i'd seen it twice or maybe even three times mm-hmm. on broadway before it was the first show i'd ever seen on broadway oh, i didn't know that about yeah. you yeah and so it was like that Lamez and Jekyll and Hyde. I think were those first three. Maybe Cats snuck its way in there in that first Wait, three. That little trio. Can I just say my favorite Forbidden Broadway joke of all time? Forbidden Broadway is. Uh, it was like an off-Broadway long-running show for many years that made fun of, uh, did parody lyrics for all these Broadway shows, and I saw it a bunch. But there's also all these albums you can listen to. And my favorite little thing was a. Uh, you want to see the Phantom of the Opera, but you can't afford a ticket. You want to see Les Misérables, but you can't pronounce the title. Go see the show that's just as long and dimly lit. Go see Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> that's good. That is good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I was like probably 10 years old when I saw this on Broadway. So I was obsessed with it. To the point, and you know, listener, especially if you're a newer listener, maybe you're not aware. Amy, Joe, and I, like, we're we're like real time married in like life. <laughs> so real time married as opposed <laughs> to married. time traveling. Well, married opposed, well, opposed to our time traveling romance, <laughs> opposed to the time traveler's wife, and now on HBO <laughs> and a movie and a book. We don't know why it's all these things. Um, but in terms of stories that you don't know, yeah, about me, yeah, few and far between at this point. We know a lot. It's hard to surprise. We've been one married another. for over five years at this point, listener. So and so, I was so I, I love Phantom so much. Oh my oh, god, ready that I we never actually got this into place. And here's the thing: if I had had like if we were friends growing up, I probably would have convinced you to do this with me. Or if I had a sister that was closer to my age. So I did not actually wind up doing this, but I wanted to film me and my friend Ashley doing the Phantom of the Opera. Um, and I can't remember. I think we might have just to just like maybe lip syncing to it. And I had like I had a video camera like I would make like stop motion Lego movies like that's to the extent of what I was doing as, you know, an 11 year old. But I wanted to like will do and I had like an outfit and a mask picked <laughs> out. I'm going to film like me and then go to her. She wasn't about the situation. And I was like, this is fine. I'll just need you for coverage. I'll just need you <laughs> for like, I'll get you doing like the back of your head when it's me singing. And then for me, I'll just throw you in the phantom gear and I'll be Christine as well. I'll do it all because you don't really seem that jazzed about this. Or like, why can't we just be playing and being kids like we normally are? Why do you like, want to do why this? Why are you getting in the way of my vision? And my uh parents especially my dad was on board with this and my dad was under the impression that like if this turns out well we could send this no to rosie o'donnell because she loves sharing shit like this on her show (laughs) this is the like just before (laughs) ellen hits on her show and everyone's like oh Get this on Ellen. This was pre-Ellen. Yeah, this was, exactly. I, I believe. I believe this was pre-Ellen. Oh, no. um, but it was the same vibe of uh-huh. like she, she, Rosie O'Donnell. Famously loves love Broadway. This. Loves Broadway, that Rosie. Uh, and I think, you know, you never know. I mean, thankfully, we never actually filmed it. So that does not exist. Uh, what does exist somewhere, I hope we were taped over to this point, was my uh, film audition for 
Family Matters, when they were looking for kids for a dream sequence where Steve and Laura get together. And uh, they have four kids, and they, they hired uh, three little black boys and one, one white girl. Very strange, very strange the makeup of who they went with. But it also would not have made sense for them to hire white me. Um, but that might for exist family somewhere. Yeah. For a dream sequence. This little white girl nosed her way in there. I could have been there as one of these kids. Uh, but thankfully, uh, that tape is no longer uh, existing. Anyway, but yeah, I love this show. I've cooled on it. I mean, I haven't seen it since the second time. And last time I saw it was high school. And I liked it fine then. But like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's okay to like a show. It's okay to like a of movie. Of Yes, it's okay to like whatever you like. I like plenty of things that um, are capital G great and plenty of things that I'm like, I understand this isn't the best written thing ever, but it brings me joy. Sure. And there are definitely moments. In, uh, we were talking about this last night. You were like, what Andrew Lloyd Webber show would you say? Like, what? how did you phrase it? Like, is your favorite or you? Uh, what would you, you say? Yeah, What? which do you like the best? And like, because I was wondering, like, if there was like, if you'd only knew Andrew Lloyd Webber from Jesus Christ Superstar, right. for example, and like, that's all you, you have, have from him, opinion. that you have it. Yeah, you have a different opinion and on a person. And I think what I said is I like, I legitimately like parts of several of his shows, but I don't think there's a the single show. The curtain calls. The curtain that's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, when they I, like, open the doors out back to the streets and you can escape. Now, now, now. I like. I, I like the I Norma stuff in Sunset Boulevard, but oh, I sure. hate the Hollywood stuff. Mm. Like there, there are parts of Evita I really like, and then parts you're like, sure. okay, let's move this along. Yeah. Evita at least moves quickly, you know. Mm. Yes, um, yeah. I don't know Evita. There's a lot that I don't know. I don't know Evita. Don't know. Starlight Express. Well, nor, I don't know that Sunset. I don't know Sunset Boulevard. Um, but it, there's there's like a couple good songs in a lot of them. I just I feel like also he. What were we saying? He does not always work with a lyricist that challenges him in a way that he has to make. Um, I don't know deft cuts. <laughs> um, I. It's just it doesn't it doesn't always work for me. It's a bit watered down sometimes. But the stuff that really works, like the shot in the movie where they just did the full wide of like everyone on the staircase singing Masquerade. I got goosebumps. Beautiful. Because it's great. That's a real marrying of the spectacle of the sound yeah. with the spectacle of the stagecraft and not shying away from that on camera. And yeah. it's when it hits right, you're like, yeah, I get why this has been running for forever because there are thrilling moments. Yeah. Unfortunately, so much of what is thrilling about or can be thrilling about Phantom is the singing, which I just don't feel I, I would I think I was much angrier when I saw this movie the first time watching it. This time I was like, these poor actors, it is neither of their faults. You know, Gerard Butler and Emmy Rossum in, in particular, I'm talking about, you know, it's just like they're doing their best and people other people hire everyone them. is trying everyone is yes, bringing absolutely. it absolutely there's some legitimately good performances in this it's just like it's very hard you know acting in a foreign language is very difficult and when everything you're doing is sung that is kind of the equivalent and you're not a singer or not someone who sings frequently in this style or in this like that's basically like acting through another language yeah and it's hard and and you know, I'm not about to go do like a, a dance show where suddenly I that that is a physical language I don't have the vocabulary for. And I'm going to look 
like I, I don't have fluency in it if I were right, to do right, some right. kind of dance, even if I were to train all the time. So, uh, you know, anyway, let's let's get into it. But I, yeah, I let's just, get into it. And thoughts. also, I got to say off, up front, I mean, I know movie, the idea of movie jail is a ridiculous thing. But like how after Batman and Robin did Joel Schumacher still have his reins in this? Because this was Andrew Lloyd Webber like handpicked Joel Schumacher because like so many people wanted to make this. But this was like right after the show came out that they were like, we got to make this into a movie. And Andrew Lloyd Webber liked how Joel Schumacher used music in his movie, The Lost Boys, which is... That doesn't mean you're the right... Sure. He's a terrible stylistic match for it, I think. Yeah, there's moments in it that I get, and it works. It's when you're seeing these big, giant statues, and you're, you're seeing the Batman and Robin aesthetic, but it's used in this with an opera. I'm like, that makes more sense to me. And like like with Masquerade, I think there's stuff yeah. that works really well, but so much that like, we, this isn't we a good fit with Schumacher. If we hadn't just watched Amadeus, I might have felt even a little more kindly disposed yeah. towards the way this sure. is shot. But yeah. like Amadeus, which is another like m- movie about classical music and opera and like has a lot of the same opulence and less money probably to make it than this one. And yet the artistic eye is not the same. And I was just like, this would have yeah. benefited greatly from that. Anyway. Yeah. anyway, spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen Phantom of the Opera, you haven't seen it in a while. Here's a brief ish synopsis. We start in 1919 Paris public auction being held to clear this dilapidated opera house's vaults. We meet Patrick Wilson with g- goops and gobs of oh, old age makeup. He's Patrick doing the, the old age makeup surprisingly better than I thought it was going to be. But yeah. he, I don't know if it's his choice or Joel Schumacher, but he's doing this little shaky I head know. that is unfortunate. Yeah. That I'm like, you don't need to do it. Let just no. be an old, old guy. You don't need to do the like. Ugh. Let the makeup. Let the makeup do the <laughs> acting. Uh, but he's bidding on this symbol playing monkey music box because he remembers. He remembers <laughs> it. And he's also like Madame Geary. Old Miranda Richardson is bidding against him. And I'm like, is that in the show? Is she there in the remember. show as well? I don't remember. I don't think so. But anyway, we get the iconic moment of the auctioneer being like, and here's this now repaired chandelier. Lot six, six, six. 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 I had forgotten that it was six, six, six. The way I rolled my eyes. <laughs> but yes, the chandelier is brought back to life and we travel back in time. And to back into color. <laughs> yeah, why, why is the present day black and white and the past is color? That's why is the present day shot like crap? You know, <laughs> I have a couple questions. And well, I don't mean the grain equality that they're going for, which number one, clearly they shot digitally and then like threw a filter on. It. Oh, that's sure not did. like oh we distressed the film I no think, you didn't i think we had that filter in final cut pro back in when i was in high it's school i think what we it looks like just it's just that. like no how is it crystal clear and yet trying to look distressed right no, thank you but we see this theater back in the day preparing for performance of this opera of hannibal headed by their lead star soprano carlotta mini driver best casting in the film crushing it we meet the new owners richard fearman and giles andre also crushing simon it. callow two weeks in a row with simon, simon callow, callow. And Kieran Hines never, I would have bet so much money against Kieran Hines being in this movie. In this like light, like Harold Zidler almost role. I like so wild to see Kieran Hines. It's like not a color I see on him. known for his glower. Uh, yeah just a bit just a bit um but we meet the new owners who introduce their patron the young raul baby patrick wilson uh, and one of the dancers christine Daye, recognizes raul as a childhood sweetheart and i'm sorry childhood sweetheart emmy rossum 17 years old when they're making this patrick wilson 30 years old what kind 
who was the child when they were child sweethearts? Because it couldn't be both. They couldn't both be the child. I was a child and he was a young adolescent. <laughs> I was too young to remember anything and he was at child age. I was 12 and he was 25. Buga. Uh, Carlotta refuses to perform because she's been getting haunted by this opera ghost for years. <laughs> so she's out. And Madame Geary uh, suggests the, the ballet instructor is like, do you use Christine? No, she I can go on quick, tonight. I have a quick cue. I love Miranda Richardson. Same, same, same. Why is she using a French accent and nobody else's when in theory we're in France? Oh, they're all out of town hires. You didn't know that? Now, Carlotta's Italian. Carlotta's Italian, but she's doing an Italian accent. Mm -hmm. If ostensibly they are in Paris speaking Parisian accent. I'm following. French. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Quoi? Um, what is this about? Um, this cuckoo crazy so accent Madame Gary is using. Uh, um, well, I think it's to imply that she's really French. Oh. Opposed to everyone else, they're just, they're French. You know, Christine, she's French. Raul, French. I assume Raul's not really the Frenchest of names, but, uh, but Madame Gary, real French. They are all Francais. They are all Francais. Uh, but yeah, Christine, she goes on that night. She's a huge success. And okay. she's telling her best friend no. Meg, Mary, Adam Geary's daughter. It's like, oh, this angel of music has been teaching me to sound so good. Yeah, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Here's the deal. And once again, the sound mixing is not they helping. They did her dirty. Here, he, he, <sighs> she's someone with years of opera experience. She'd been in Emmy Rossum. Yes, she'd been in like a dozen operas at Lincoln Center before doing this. Here's so thing, she, she's got the background. But she, to me, who I am not an expert in Fach, so don't come for me. But like to me, hearing her sing the whole movie through, her voice sits lower. She is not a lyric soprano. Maybe she is, but her power is as a mezzo. The few times that we get her in like that lower sound then is suddenly, so the pitch, much light. The, the pitch is more centered. So full. It's very full. Whereas when all this higher stuff, it's like, it's a little reedy. She doesn't have much spin, which tells me it's like they have her up too high. It's not that the notes are too physically high for her to hit, but it's not where her voice naturally wants to sit, which yeah. in opera is like a really big deal. You don't sing outside your fach. Like you would never, it just wouldn't happen. I was irritated by if you are not going to have a person dubbed, which again, like I don't think she has a bad voice, but the way that they have mixed her and the fact that she is using vibrato means, which she should, because it's opera, means that it is harder to auto-tune. You, it's easier to auto-tune straight mm. tone, which I'm assuming is part of the reason why Gerard Butler doesn't have a, n a lick of vibrato in his entire Ooh, performance. Because you could call. It is much easier to just like, Meh. but like they left in takes where she's under, where she's at, like she's flat, she's sharp, she she's re all these things. It's just like you recorded this at Abbey Road Studios. You have how do much they only of a have the space for one this? day? Like <laughs> was Abbey Road too expensive? Clearly, they they did multiple sessions with her, multiple days. But if this is supposed to be the kind of performance that makes opera snobs who are the worst, like <laughs> truly, I when I went to see oh I forget what it was. It was some new opera a few years back. Some guy in a suit with a microphone comes out at the top. And I was like, okay, well, there's a microphone. This is not, you know. And normally someone doesn't come out at the top to, like, do a curtain speech at the Met. I was right. at the Met. And he's like, um, we just wanted you to know that, like, 
our tenor blah, 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 um, is recovering from a cold, but he still wanted to share his performance with you. Okay. And like, it's like, yeah, you have to say that. Otherwise people, even though he sounded great to me, I could only tell yeah. like there were a couple times when the character was like dying on stage and he was coughing. I was like, oh no, he's actually like phlegm <laughs> coughing, not fake coughing. Finally, I can cough. Okay, exactly. Like I could hear it a little here and there, but overall, like you couldn't hear it in the performance, but it's yeah. like, but those opera people are going to lose their minds mm. if it's not... They got the knives out. Yes. So like the idea that this super cultured first night Parisian crowd is going to come and see a new person sing and she's going to sound like that, which is not bad, but which isn't great. Like, and I was, I was in school at the time with two, Robin Cage, who was just on the podcast a couple weeks ago and another, another girl were both coloratura sopranos who were, I think we're like two, three years older than Emmy Rossum. I was like, they're still in school and they have more elasticity and ring and range up there than she does. And they're just like two random people in this one program, yeah. you know? And it's just like, it, it was that kind of thing. I was like this, it's not Emmy Rossum's fault that she was not taken care of well enough by the sound department. And this was the take, the vocal take yeah. that they went with. Um, because I'm sorry, this is not a leap <laughs> to your feet applauding performance yeah uh and so yeah christine's talking about that angel of music and then oh what a surprise it's opera ghost himself phantom the original og opera ghost <laughs> that made me laugh it's like og <laughs> but yes he appears in the mirror he spirits her away to his underground lair in these catacombs underneath this opera house this opera house that also includes a cathedral how many cathedrals are built into an opera and house? a dormitory yeah and like there's does a lot everyone going on here. everyone that performs their house there at no, the, the, the court of ballet the oh because ba christine's still technically in the court of ballet but they all live there the young girls do the young girls seems. do okay. you know they're training there all okay. the time i think it's kind of maybe we're meant to think it's like a boarding school conservatoire for the court okay, of ballet fair enough still in, and they need to get in their sunday prayers so that's why there's a literal absolutely little cathedral in there and then there's a spooky scary catacombs built underneath sure 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 very um, but yeah, she's in the Phantom's lair. Phantom is like, look at this mannequin that's literally just uh, you Not pretending to be a mannequin. Flattering. In a wedding dress, which makes her faint. And uh, yeah, so this is all bananas to me. Yes. All of this, that on stage it works. They've got the cool little bridges they're going across yeah, doing yeah, family yeah. opera. And then we get music of the night, gorgeous when you've got... Is, you know, the the lack ben of Crawford examination or in Norm this, Lewis or yes. Michael Crawford singing the lack of examination in the in the show as a whole, but particularly in the film when you could do more with like close ups of and we need it. I need like, more. What on earth? What is her journey of learning? When does she learn? This is not something she wants. When does I, she realize this is creepy? I wonder if how much of it is direction is just, I can so see Jules Schumacher based off his other films. I can very much see him wanting like, don't do too much. Like, I just want this to be a beautiful portrait because Emmy Rossum is just staring blank face at Gerard Butler. Beautiful. And Gerard Butler, yeah, she, she, all she is is just big hair and big eyes. Yeah. And Gerard Butler is just staring back at her. And I don't get... I need to know where's the moment where she realizes, oh, this isn't exciting. Watching, this is scary. Watching the clips online of Phantom of the Opera, when yeah. it ends, where she, he's like, sing for me, my angel of music. And it's like a, an exorcist. It's like he is pulling it out yeah. of her. And it's kind of scary. And you're seeing her like excited by this, this voice, yes. but also scared of like, I'm not in control. And in the movie, 
most of Phantom of the Opera, there's all these shots of like statues, water, it's like coverage, like B-roll. Yeah. And then so much of it is wide frame, which is fine, opposed to these close-ups of these blank faces. But near the end, I'm like, all oh, this thing for me, you're not in it, you're not close, and there's no thrill, there's no danger, there's no. no seduction. No. This is so vanilla and so PG, and it needs to feel a little sexy and a little dangerous. And that's like, I get getting someone like Gerard Butler, because that you, you're you like, oh, but then maybe danger. A Christine who's maybe even 18, 19, you know, just like... The the age gap feels weird because on stage you can read it less strongly. Here's the thing. I'm I'm okay with the Phantom being older, especially yeah. if you're kind of reading is this connection between him and her deceased father. father. Yes. You're kind of playing sure. into that. Like I'm okay with that. It just does it. It's just so I need something more happening. There's so much of especially music of the night. I'm like, nothing is happening. Oh. This because the song is well, the just, tempo is already always too slow. We're not I've driving towards a thing. And I'm like, what am I? Look, I'm just looking at these blank faces. Well, and that's the thing. You said it when we were listening, because as soon as we finished watching this movie, I was like, all right, we have to have a YouTube party. I mm -hmm. insist. And we watched a bunch of like videos of different people singing stuff from phantom and other stuff you know you you said it so well after we watched some of these clips you're like it just feels fuller when it is sung spectacularly when the spectacle is not just the set but when the spectacle is what the voices are doing because otherwise there's just nothing left because there's no real story no, happening in that no. whole sequence and, you know, they're giving, Gerard Butler is giving it a lot of passion. They're all I'm gonna really trying. Give him back. Yeah absolutely. yeah, absolutely. I just find all the choices made is not helping anyone. But again, I feel like Gerard Butler is like, you know, acting through another language, you know, like sure. he's just like, yeah. ah, I'm really trying, yeah. but played, I don't know. He had sung in a rock band, like an amp, like a non-professional rock band for mm -hmm. a little while for a few years, but like that was really his main experience. So and that's very different yeah. than also like rock performance, very different than musical theater. That's why yeah. like sometimes musical theater people who then sing rock music, we all look really silly. Not we all. A lot of people look really silly because it's like, well, you're trying to storytell in a way that is actually not appropriate for rock music right. in a rock setting, but on stage must happen or else we're just sitting there going, what's happening? Sure. Yeah. Anyway, back to the plot. Right. Christine takes off his mask. He's mad. She puts the mask back on. They're like, we have a moment of understanding. I'm going to let you go now, but you better make her the lead of your next opera. And... They're like, no, we're going to make Carlotta. We get Prima Donna, which is always, Great. always, always one of my favorite songs always in the show. Treat. And well, there's something in the happening movie. in it. Yeah. It's not just a song that sounds nice when sung well. It's, it's a group a number. It's a group number. That, and by that and Masquerade are the two, to my, my opinion, the two most successful numbers because there are group numbers. There's just a lot more happening visually. Mm -hmm. um, but I love a good character and actor number. Yeah. And Prima Donna is giving me what I want. And it's moving the plot forward. Right. But so Carlotta's the lead of the opera. So Phantom switches her little throat spray. So now she loses her voice. Sounds like a toad. Uh, and, and they're like, oh, we got to pause for 10 minutes and Christine will be going on. In the meantime, here's the Act 3 ballet. How are these dancers suddenly all dressed and ready for the Act 3 ballet? We can't even. How are these sheep in the wings ready they're, for the... Why not. are there sheep? Didn't, some, didn't he kill someone by this point? He's about to. Oh, this, he's about This is when, to. which in the show is just like a sudden shocking, like, guy drops down hanging. Yeah. Very thrilling. Very exciting. That's why I think this show works. Not many musicals having murder. You got this. You got Sweeney Todd. You got Les Mis. That's why I think that's why Les Mis and Phantom are such big hits because there's also death for the boys. There's stakes. 
there's stakes, but like that's like the guys are like, oh, there's murder and yeah. cool stuff. Oh, Gavrosh really got it. Gavrosh got it. Yeah. Screw you, little kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, but in the movie, you're seeing the Phantom. There's because there's no they've added no more lines. So it's just the Phantom in this like stage hand and him just having this weird that- like pseudo action scene. I'm like, Ugh. why? Why did he want to hang this guy? Which you don't ask that question when it's you just suddenly see a sudden when dead it's body a jump drop scare. In. And it's not a jump scare in the movie. Nope. It's just it, it should be. But it's so weird. I'm like, what would that guy do? If that guy was like making fun of Christine or something, but I'm like, what's this guy's? What, oh, what did you do? Like, I, he was telling too much. He knew too much. Oh, he talked and too much. Madame Jury's like, I would watch out if I were you. <laughs> okay, ma- I, I was would wrong. not be doing that to I was wrong. Gustave or whatever his I name was. Was wrong. Anyway, we get to the end of Act One with Christine and Raoul flee to the roof where they declare love. their love. They're so in love. Uh, apparently, this was um, this took three days to shoot. And they're like really like up there with like this. It's like freezing. So uh, it made it necessary to shoot for three days of Emmy Rossum and Patrick Wilson kissing to the point where Emmy Rossum had to ice her lips between takes to prevent them from swelling. And she had like a funny thing where she was like, you know, what better way to suffer for your art than having to kiss Patrick Wilson for three days. But it's still like, ouch. Ouch! Your lips are swelling wow. from kissing for three days. Wow! For kissing too hard. Kissing too much. Um. Three months later, we get Masquerade. So fun, so beautiful. You get the one random like modern day like pop and locker, which oh, always right. makes me laugh. Uh, I will say, I quibble with its beautiful choice to have everyone in this like black, white, and gold. However, when the lyrics are literally about how colorful all of the masks <laughs> are, and they start naming all the colors that none are present, they on stage. were red and exactly. yellow and green and gold. Exactly. Learn from your previous uh, shows, Android <laughs> Weber, um, and don't name things colors that aren't because they're clearly describing traditional Italian like masquerade masks. Yeah. And instead, they're like. You know, all, all these all colors are like, achromatic. Uh, uh, yeah. Every face a different shade, <laughs> if it's white or black or gold. A different shade of gray. <laughs> um, yeah, Christina Raul announced their engagement. The Phantom crashes the ball, orders his own opera, Don Juan Triumphant, to be performed. We finally get Madame Giri, 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 Madame Giri explaining to Raul, oh, I helped rescue the Phantom from a, he was in a freak show and murdered the guy because he was being well, abused. And that guy when he sees money becomes a lizard he goes he was like counting his coins i was like um but yeah madam she was like i helped him i brought him here because they were looking for him for murder and then and then it's like and then he's lived under there ever since and i'm like why the heat's probably died down like i think well i think it's because he his his face has prevented Uh him from feeling like he can do anything in the outside world i think if he just rocked that mask out and about no one is saying boo i concur especially if it's the if oh god the mask that they have him in that like zorro mask at one point unless he also has prosthetics he's somehow been able to acquire he must have a skin mask because once you see the whole face in reveal it's like so much more of the face is then busted up than when the mask is on because on broadway you can clearly see you see is like his lips are like really weird and enlarged what they did was they were like oh hollywood hollywood we want our hot hot phantom sexy phantom we want sexy phantom 
Um, I'm a very sexy stalker. And he's beautiful, potentially objectively too beautiful, um, like distractingly attractive, you know, just like this... Hmm, I don't know about this, yeah. but then it's like so much of his face is showing that later we will see is like a part, a part of what he's been trying to hide. And it's like, why do you, what, why I'm thinking about this too. I shouldn't be having to think about like, oh, is he really good with latex in the late 1800s? Your spirit gum work is spectacular. Uh, yeah, we get Christine going to visit her father's tomb. This sequence where it's like the phantom, like knocking out the carriage driver, replacing yeah. him and they drive to the cemetery was my favorite sequence of the movie. Cause no one, is singing they actually <laughs> but they actually speak a few lines mm-hmm. and i'm like a lot of the recitative we could be speaking we are a movie we can change this into dialogue would be a lot better than everyone singing like this and where is she going where has she gone and that's not good in this version film you might say especially. it's wretched so you're welcome Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. That gets a round of applause from me. Christine's <laughs> at her tomb. The phantom is posing as her father's spirit. Okay, that alone is like, qua. But then when Raul, <laughs> who has done a great horse jump stunt thing, comes sprinting yeah. in, he immediately says, that's not your father, Christine. I'm like, why is that your when, first when guess? When did she ever say that why? I think the phantom is my dad? Why do you think this voice from the tomb is your father? Which, honestly, that'd be interesting. And maybe there's a dropped line that I missed, but if it's that's what it is, it's she thinks she literally thinks the phantom is the spirit of her father reincarnated. Because apparently her father said, I'll send you an, an angel, angel of, of music, music when I'm dead. But that's not the same as like, I will come back to you as an angel of music. I'll tell you, the real angel of music in this movie is Patrick Wilson because he's the only one that can sing and act at the same time. It's a beautiful voice. Yeah. It's a beautiful voice. Maybe not a great Raul, but you know, beautiful I, voice. I will say because this is what I first saw him in and uh, I I did not like Patrick Wilson for a long time and I've come around. I, I'm now on board. The, uh, I get why they, ca- I mean, we'll talk about it. I get yeah. why they cast him in this. I, I, uh, yeah. I have thoughts. But either way, the, the man can sing. Every time he sings, you're like, oh, the ease with which you phonate. Right. Anyway, Raul gets away with Christine. We get to our like final act of the film right. where they were like, we got to find a way to catch that phantom. So we're going to stage his opera, which he kills the ten- the tenor that looks nothing like him, replaces the tenor. The fact that it takes them this long to be like, oh, wink, wink. <laughs> that's the guy we're after. What? Number one, he sounds and looks <laughs> nothing like the actual opera he's singer. lost to the beard and 60 pounds and he's a completely different he's human taller being. and suddenly he doesn't sing opera like opera right you know? anyway christine unmasks him we finally see him with his little his his bad case of eczema and, his and, and his phantom hair. steals christine yeah. down to the catacombs with raul in pursuit the phantom's like well if you marry me i'll let raul live and she's like fine and he goes really well okay now i'll <laughs> let you guys go because now i feel bad about it at least i have my symbol playing monkey and instead because in the show it's the cool moment where he's got the the magic trick with the sheet over him and the guys are there like there he is they pull the sheet and he's gone God. and that's the end of the show and in this he just smash he keeps smashing mirrors until he smashes the right one that has his secret video game passageway behind it so he can go to the freaking clue conservatory and then he just leaves we just see him leave 
especially with the ending they do, yeah. do it as if like everything's tumbling down on him because the theater's on fire. Everything fall. They have like rafters fall on him yeah. as if he like he's dead. Because at the end, we cut back to black and white, grainy present day. Oh, Patrick Wilson. Yeah, putting a rose on the. No, no, no. Patrick Wilson puts the symbol playing oh, sorry, monkey yes. on. He the puts grave, the monkey, which also seems like you want to. You wasted that? all that money on the symbol playing well, monkey. Well, not just that, but you want to put that symbol of a very traumatic part of your lives on your wife's grave to honor her i'm gonna have to assume that in the decades since she's oh she's mentioned i I just love that that monkey monkey was so cute (laughs) (laughs) anyway puts the monkey and then yes he sees the rose which means the The rose with the black ribbon the phantom is still alive sequel setup (laughs) love never dies coming to a theater not near you it's not uh so any initial thoughts? I mean, we've, 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 our, our briefish like synopsis. I've... Sorry, folks. I know I've said now that we've been back that I was going to try to make these synopses a little more brief. And as I'm looking at the time code, I have failed on this episode. You know what? I didn't help because uh, I have had thoughts. No, let's just get into let's it. Let's get into it. All I'll say is that I think this show slaps as a kid, especially because everything is in such broad strokes. Because it's, it's operatic. Yeah. It's so heightened. Everything, as a kid, when like I didn't know, really understand love and vengeance and murder and housing for actors <laughs> and stalking. So all of this, like, I didn't understand. You're just like, oh, there's a big elephant. A when church you turn around, an opera. There's, a, there's a guy inside. Yeah, I'm like, this all makes sense to me. And it's all like, it's just, it's the feeling. It's visceral. It's a very visceral show. Mm-hmm. So if you're not getting that visceral impact, to me, this show does not work. Anyway, the casting director of The Phantom of the Opera was David Grindrod. Grindrod is a British theater and television casting director who often works with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Because hmm. in terms of film and TV, he ain't cast much. He's also cast The Sound of Music Live and the Donny Osmond starring Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and has done musical casting for the live-action adaptations of Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin. Let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance, and Amy Jo is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. Can't wait to be horrified. Let's kick it off with Christine. Amy Jo, your thoughts on Emmy Rossum, and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? I've already talked about her a bit. On a rewatch... I did not dislike her performance as Christine nearly as much as I did the first time. Cause number one, I was expecting to hear what I was going to hear, but then also I was just, I was able to hear more like about her voice that I liked. Um, and hear yeah. stuff that I was just like, okay, like this is, this is just, I think this is a hard role, especially, hard role. especially for film it's, when she's very, She's not the most active protagonist. No, She's getting hard. led it's around thankless. by both these guys. Absolutely. And so much of it is her like listening and like even the clips I was watching, like with um Norm Lewis and at war with uh, uh Ramin Camerlou, mm-hmm. both of them with Sierra Bagas. Right. Sierra, here's the deal. My friends who have played it, um, like Sierra Bagas and Ali Ewalt, who've both done it in, in recent years, they are like really strong actors who are also a, a bit older, but always play younger. So they, they also both are like actresses who always like have a spine and like they, they have a softness and a gentleness to them, but a, like a spine of steel. So you are able to have a character like that, that is kind of like, Oh, but you're, you have someone behind it 
who has will, you know, and so, yeah. sometimes that is just a thing that is harder to find in a 17 year old. It just is not that you can't, but it is harder to find. I think Emmy Rossum, all things considered, does does a pretty decent job. Like I actually like warmed to her, particularly as it wore on, you know. Yeah. And um, I don't think she embarrasses herself with her her acting. Certainly, like this no. the singing again. She was the one. Like a lot of the reviews at the time, pretty much were crapping on both Gerard Butler and Patrick Wilson, but had a lot of praise for her. She was like the one. The Globes mean nothing, but this is right. she got a Golden Globe nomination for best actress I in musical. I don't think it's like that good but you can see her potential sure. in a way that the other two kind of uh, you know again i think yeah. patrick wilson was miscast and clearly gerard butler was but like i feel like you see her potential as like an on-screen actor mm-hmm. like the eyes are so alive you know she's stunning and she feels very present and i do see that she is someone who like under different circumstances might be very interesting to watch i'll say this i only watched like the first season and a half she's she was excellent on shameless Mm -hmm. so good on shameless and i remember her being fine in mystic river and day after tomorrow the only things i've really seen her in but i've seen her be so good and so dynamic and a role in shameless especially that's so the opposite end of the spectrum from this as like a lower class like woman who doesn't care about her appearance and is just trying to make ends meet to keep yeah. her family afloat this is a hard kind of role it's just yeah. like there's it's yeah. not, it's clearly written i agree by men on a based on a book that was written by a man like yeah. and it's not the character anyone who wrote it was that interested in and then also andrew lloyd weber wrote it for sarah brightman who is kind of an alien of a person mm. so like when you are writing it on someone who's already a little off you can write it pretty down the middle and she is going to come up. Well, and I didn't see her do it. I was too young. Right. She's like, she's a weird little bird. So like she's doing the work. She's doing the heavy lifting. Well, and by just being by, by being nature, herself. being more of a weirdo. Exactly. By being a little alien. In a good way. By being already, an alien in a good way. And yeah. so like then when you bring in people who are more traditionally an ingenue type into it, I feel like it kind of washes out in a lot mm, of people. And I feel like that's a bit of what's happened here because I just don't think she's being helped by the yeah yeah um so other thought i don't have a lot of great thoughts i'll be honest like it was like who who are people that can sing because here's the problem is there's a lot of people who are in hollywood that can sing okay but like minnie driver she sings the like song at the over the credits but she's she's not singing that opera and that's stuff. why they dubbed her for the opera like exactly. like, like christine ebersole last week like in, like Broadway stalwart even then, you know, like so someone who can sing and who maybe knows how to sing this style of stuff. But I will say also Emmy Rossum's not even lip syncing it all that well. There are times that I'm like, you're not even breathing with the music. You're truly just <laughs> lip syncing, but you're not like yeah. doing the thing. Um, so I was like, I don't know. There's no one I'm that excited about. Right. Amy Adams, maybe. Um, sure. Like, you know, if she like, let's assume you're also giving like. A year's time to prep. A year's time yeah. to do opera training. Yeah. Because she, we know she can sing from she Enchanted. Sure and let's assume, let's give an actor a time to like, I mean, Tom Hulse had six months. He learned yeah. the piano and he looks, you'd, I assumed he played the piano his whole life. Yeah. So let's assume that you give him a year or whatever. Love that for Amy Adams. Yeah. Uh, I don't love this either, but like Anna Kendrick clearly can like right. sing it. I, right. she, she might yeah. be more interesting, you know? Brie Larson, I don't think like against things like this, but would might lip sync it well because she can sing and is a really strong actor. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I I don't know. Then I'm like, just get any <laughs> like you know you have you have like the Disney movies where you have all the princesses. You have like Judy Kuhn, who was the original Cosette, like doing the singing voice of Pocahontas. You have Leah Salonga doing the like singing voice of Jasmine. Like, can we get like a real Broadway soprano person to just Marnie Nixon this and dub it? Like, you know, or you know, like I don't know. You're already, she's, I mean, Rossum is already just like a fresh face. I mean, Mystic River was the year before and Day After Tomorrow was this year, but just fine. There must be some other, but maybe not. Maybe they just literally in in this year, I'm sure they did. Cause that was, she is like a complete fresh face. And uh, so she, after passing an audition at the Metropolitan Opera, when she was seven, Rossum performed in more than 20 operas in six languages at Lincoln Center. She apparently, I've heard this two different ways, but the one, one of the quotes she said that she made $5 a night singing with the children's choir. And according to her, there were horses on stage getting one fifty. Yeah, uh, that's probably true. <laughs> Wait, so, okay. So she was with the children's choir at the Met. Well, I mean, she was 17 when she started filming this. So like she'd done 20 operas at the Met, but I'm like, but that's she's not... still like at oldest, she's 16 or probably not. Cause by that point, then she was in Hollywood doing Mystic River. Also you know? singing choral music is very different than singing solo music. There and might be something besides, I'm assuming. After, sure, but no, that makes 20, a lot more sense. That makes know. a lot more sense. You saying that than her being like singing stuff at 15. Cause it's also just like not how the Met tends to uh, work. In the opera world, you tend to book out a lot of the In the opera world, like you've five got years 50 advance. year olds playing Romeo and Juliet. Yes, you do. Because you, know? you want people who can sing it, you know? Right, right. Um, that makes a lot more sense to me. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and Emmy Rossum almost did not get the part because her mother didn't want her to miss her family reunion. And okay, Joel, Joel Schumacher managed to convince her to leave early in order to sing for Andrew Lloyd Webber. We've been discussing it already. I'm like, if I had to cast someone else, honestly, Sarah Boggess. Yeah, in 2004, because she also originated Ariel on Broadway. She's mm-hmm. done a big Broadway mainstay. Um, and I know and a much richer soprano. Right. Like, she's someone who just always sings up there because it's like where her i mean like the little mermaid is not that but she's done so much soprano stuff like right. that's just like where her voice likes Lives. to live yeah. and that's part of that's part of what i think the problem is here is it's like it's not that emmy rossum isn't a trained singer it's, it's just like not the best place for her to be singing this yeah and the casting process began in New York. Only singer actresses under age 25 were even screen tested. There's plenty of those who can There sure this. are. Uh, and Andrew Lloyd Webber said he was happy to go along because Joel Schumacher is the one that insisted they got to be under 25. And Andrew Lloyd Webber is like, make them unknowns by all means, Joel, but they must be able to sing. So it was like they've got us. They yeah. they've got to do their own singing and they've got to be under 25. We're between the two of them. Their prerequisites. Um, but I'm like, yeah, I, so Sarah Boggess, I probably was under 25 in yeah. 2004. Yes, because if Emmy Rossum was born in 86, um, that means like, and Sierra, I think is like a year younger than me or something. Like okay. I was born yeah. in 83. So it's like all, yeah. all these people like around my age would all be right. like still Allie Ewald, who was just playing it. Like she was uh, like right before the shutdown. I guess she stopped doing it like 2019 or something like that. But like, 
she's one year mm. older than me, maybe. Like, so she still would have been under 25 at would this time. Would have been the right like, age. Fast, yeah. Um, or, because Sierra Bach is also was in a, the revival of Masterclass. the yes, she was. The play mu- slash musical about Maria Callas. Yes, Tarantino Daly. So you, and you have her singing, like, actual opera there. So I'm like, what about her other co-star in Masterclass? Our friend, Broadway star Alexandra Silber. Yeah. She'd be the right age. She's got the chops. She's got the voice. She's and a bit of an man, alien as is well. Is she also one of our finest actors? A hundred percent. If you're a Broadway going person listener, you might have seen Al Alexandra in uh, as Zeidel, right? In Zeidel. Uh, Zeidel in The Last Revival of Fiddler with, on the Roof with Danny, with Danny Burstein. Burstein. She's also in the Masterclass. She's, she's been in several law and order franchises and all sorts of stuff. She's written several books, one of which after Anna Tevka is like a sequel to Fiddler on the Roof following Hoddle, which yeah. she played in the West End. So she's played two of the three main uh, Fiddler on she's the Roof She's done a sisters. lot. She, well, she, in terms of Angela Weber, she was in the woman in white. Yeah. That in was the West her, End. that was her West End debut. That was yeah. like her thing right out of drama school that, that like kind of like blew set her, her on the trajectory. Anyway, I think Al Silber should have been Christine Dye. is I'm my two cents. Big fan of that. As for the actors who were actually considered, it should surprise no one to know that Sarah Brightman was reportedly set to star in an early film adaptation. I was about to say, not in 2004. No, but they, as soon as this musical became the smash, they're like, we got to make this a movie today. Yeah. And as soon as we can do that, it's 2004. Uh, she was set to star, but it fell through following her divorce with Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yes, that put everything on hold. So now, at the time of them, like, we're going to make this, Katie Holmes was the front runner. And I saw in different places online, I saw that she was either replaced or she turned down the lead role due to age issues, which I don't know what. she would oh, not singing issues? No idea. She would have been 25 in two th- at the time of filming. So, like, I, I don't know what age issues... Look, here's the thing. Me? If you, if you look at a person and think they're 20, who cares if they're 28? You know, some people look young, some people look older. I, at the age of 24, would have probably looked too old for Joel well, Schumacher. Well, I don't know if... I don't... It, well, that, that's what I'm saying. It's like, she turned it... She either was replaced full stop right. or she turned it down to due to age issues and i don't know if that meant like her being paired with patrick I, I i don't know I what don't any of that know. means i don't know i'm gonna assume that's all kind of hearsay and but she was considered possibly a front runner in some regards she just finished dawson's creek in 2003 the year prior so in 2004 instead she was doing the movie first daughter where she's the daughter of president michael keaton and hey Michael Keaton, if you're listening, if you ever want to run for president, you got my vote. <laughs> I'm, I'm voting for Batman tomorrow. Uh, so, yeah, but I don't, I mean, Katie Holmes, no, I got nothing against no, you, girl, but, but I, I don't, don't want to. It. I don't want I to. Don't need it. Uh, then Anne Hathaway was offered it, but that had to sense. turn it down due to scheduling conflicts with Princess Diaries 2. I, I think also, like, Anne Hathaway is, like, makes total sense. I thought of her, but I'm just like, she can't do this. Well, I haven't heard her do Colorado stuff, so maybe she can. But I, yeah. uh-huh. I think there's a good chance if she could do that, we would have heard it by now. I suppose. Yeah. I mean, maybe not. But but I don't know if maybe at that time she could. It's the kind of thing if you're not keeping yeah. up with it. Because I mean, oh, we've heard yeah. her singing Les Mis. She's great in Les Mis. I did not see Ella Enchanted. I've seen a few clips. She's singing in Ella Enchanted, oh, which is this year as well, 2004. 
Um, the people that love it love that Ella Enchanted. But what a little run, because this was 2004. She had Princess Diaries 2 and Ella Enchanted. Next year is Brokeback Mountain, and the year after that is Devil Wears Prada. So I mean, she's I'll doing say Anne Hathaway's fine. been doing pretty great since she came out the gate, you know? <laughs> since she came out the womb. Came out the womb, uh, yeah, named I'd, after Shakespeare's wife. I'd agree. I'd agree. But uh, I'd be interested. I, I have always, I've I'm always more, loved that Anne Hathaway. I'm she gets far some more flack. interested in that than... than yeah. A lot of the other yeah. people that were probably up for it. She gets a lot of flack. She has not given a sincere performance since winning the Oscar. Every every feels like every performance, she's got a bit of a wink. Serenity. She's, like, she's I, got a little bit of a wink. Hey, just trying to make y'all like me again. <laughs> and I get it. I also Ocean's Eight. She's her. winking real hard. She's winking and everything. Apparently, but... she's great in the We Crashed. Um, oh, thing, I, I have heard that. Which yeah. is similarly, like she's apparently having the time of her life. And it's like you great. know what? After you've won your Oscar, love that. For do her. whatever you want. Do whatever you want. I don't care. And live your life. You don't have to perform for me anymore, Anne Hathaway. <laughs> and I know that's what you were thinking about. <laughs> uh, Kate Winslet was considered. Now, and this might be some of this might be like them throughout the years. They might keep being like in the late 90s. Like we want to get this going. I'm just thinking of her singing in Sense and Sensibility. Mm-hmm. And like she's not it's not the kind of thing where it's like required that she'd be singing full out like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that I don't know about. But it's very breathy, which feels also appropriate for Marianne in that moment. Right. But I don't hear that voice and think this is a voice that can handle Christine if it's that voice we did play on our moulin rouge oh, episode right. her singing what if from a christmas carol the movie it's lower it's more oh yeah conversational range. what if i don't know yeah. the lyrics but uh yeah it's definitely I mean, more of a I, belty look, type of deal i love kate winslet i would again i am not opposed to someone being dubbed i mean if they'd gotten their crap together and this was instead the two a year or a decade prior, the 1994, she's like coming out of Heaven's Heavenly, Heaven, Heavenly Creatures into Phantom of the Opera. If she could sing it, I'm like, oh, I mean, yeah. the sensibility oh, age. Look, there's I'm a lot like, of people that if they could sing it would be on my list. Of course, you know? of course. I'm just like, yeah, that's someone I, yeah. again, like what she did in Titanic, taking something that could have been like, uh, or insufferable. Right. And, or just like, she's obsessed with this guy. And so it's like, I love her. Yeah, but uh, Charlotte Church was considered. Of she's course a- she was. She did occur to me, but I don't think she could act it. Yeah. I mean, that's doesn't really have any acting credits. She's a Welsh classical music singer. For those who don't know her as I did not know her. Oh, you didn't? No. Okay. You're just enough younger than me. Charlotte Church <laughs> was like a big deal for a moment in time. Just young enough. Just straight enough. It I was, don't know who this is. <laughs> exactly. So like, like Julie Andrews was kind of like a young voice that was like a fully mature voice at a very young age where people were like watch this you know kind of like judy garland julie andrews charlotte church was this voice that came and seemed like fully formed at the age of 10 you know so she was like this like wild anomaly where it's like this like rich voice was coming out of this little girl <laughs> so i did think of her but i was like i bet she'd be terrible at acting it. Mm. So Kira Knightley auditioned and admitted that it was embarrassing to audition saying, quote, I knew I couldn't sing it. So I think it was the kind of thing where like yeah. the agents are like, you're going to go in and you're going to sing. It, is, it doesn't matter. You still got to do it. Of course. So in 2004, um, she's right between that first Pirates of the Caribbean movies the year before and Pride and Prejudice is the next year. So 2004, she had this King Arthur movie with Clive Owen. That oh, was a big old flop. I remember that. But she's right between two massive hits. Yeah. Um, so she's she's doing just fine, that Keira Knightley. Oh, yeah. I 
get it if she could sing. I'm like, yes. Sure. As so many people, they could sing. I mean, like Lizzie Bennett. You want Lizzie Bennett. You want Lizzie Bennett as as your Christine because that's going to be a more interesting, independently minded Christine than someone who is playing. I don't know someone yeah. else. And so clearly, Angela Weber's priority was the singing, less so the age. He said in an interview that he wanted to cast Catherine Zeta-Jones, but she had just in Chicago and didn't want to do two singing roles in a row. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing her as Carlotta uh-huh. Uh-huh. at this point. But I'm like, if she could, if she could, what yeah. about a Natalie Portman? If well, she could do it. But I'm just like, in terms of like how, what she did, the bread and butter of what she did acting wise at that age. Yeah. Of that, like. I'm so close to tears all the time. And sometimes not close. Sometimes <laughs> drowning in them. Sometimes I'm drowning in the tears. Oh no, that's what's flooding these catacombs. Natalie Portman's tears. Um, but I get yeah. it. But how does it Jones? I'm like, maybe like a, in 1994. Also, I'm like, maybe younger. See, I can't imagine Wait. going... Who are you talking about? I'm sorry, I'm talking Catherine Zeta-Jones. Okay, so it's like Natalie Portman is a child. No, no, no. I think Christine should be even younger. She should be a baby. She should be a baby. Don't even have her sing. Just have her go, 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 go. No. Catherine Zeta-Jones. I can't picture seeing her as Velma Kelly, and then the next year I'm going to watch her as Christine. I'm not seeing that Mary Murderous, you know, of the Cooks (laughs) County Jail talking about number 17 the spread eagle then someone who can say like, the spread eagle with that with that much lived in experience experience can't do christine the no. next year they could but why would you have them do that uh instead in 2004 cousin jones had the terminal and oceans 12 so neither of those in my opinion are very good films but neither is no, <laughs> i don't consider this one either <laughs> uh but let's move on to the phantom amy joe your thoughts on gerard butler Paris's favorite son, Gerard Butler. <laughs> and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? The opera world's favorite son, Gerard Butler. I... Back. Again, again, I want to be very clear that... Yeah. <laughs> there are sometimes, like, when I... Let's say when I shit on a Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. That feels to me because... Every other an, episode. Oh, yeah, well, any other... And in this episode, we're about to get into it. That feels like <laughs> an actor whose ego and self-indulgence has been like, that is more important than this movie. Not universally, but a lot of the time. That's what I feel when I'm watching. You lying little Delilah. Exactly. What is that line reading? What are we doing? That is the point of no return. It's imagining Cage as a phantom now. I'm obsessed with this idea. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Now I'm nauseous. Okay. So here's the deal. When it's something like that, when it is an actor who either has not bothered themselves and that's evident, or when it is an actor who is just doing their own thing, not because, not in like a situation where I'm thinking of like Patrick Page in the Spider-Man musical where he's like, you know what? I know what musical I'm in and I'm the only one having fun and that's okay. And so like that, but, but he's in the right world and he's just like, I'm going to live and enjoy my life because I've only got one of them as opposed to like. I'm going to do my own thing because I think I'm right over the experience of everyone else in this movie. And then there's someone like Gerard Butler, who I feel like is really trying and really like really giving all he has. He is just not like, I think quite equipped for it that. So I, I have, I bear no ill will towards Gerard Butler for this performance. Yeah. Like I, he's 
gorgeous. Like these close-ups, he's doing a lot with his eyes, but unfortunately they didn't take any of his recitative out and turn it into spoken text like they did with Patrick Wilson and Emmy Rossum. So literally everything that he gives voice to in this film is pretty much sung. Yeah, he has 14 spoken lines and everything else is, is sung. And it's just, it's not his skill set. It's different than, oh, I don't know. I was going to give another example of someone else who's bad, but it's just all bad. Um, <laughs> I just, I feel badly for him because I feel like this is the type of thing where he got cast and they were like, we'll take care of you. We're going to work with you. We're going to have a vocal coach. We're going to do this. And they did all those things. And I'm sure it helped. And we're going to take care of it in post, blah, blah, blah. It's just not enough. It's too big a hill to climb um, yeah. for this role and the also the expectations on how this role needs to sound and i think he is like just unable to act through all the vocals it's just you're thinking about even if you're only lip singing to yourself you're not singing live in the moment like like in les mis or something Mm -hmm. it's still just like there's not enough expressivity in the sung vocals for him to be able to then like act. He can't overact on top of something that isn't there you know so i feel badly for the guy i don't feel like it's as bad even as i remember it's just not good it's just not alive um so i feel like again it was he was not helped as much as he could have been and it just was it was a it was a misfire you know but he's very attractive so you know good for him um if i had to cast other people i don't know like the zorro mask i was like oh antonio banderas probably actually would have sung this a bit better yeah. he'd be i think too old by 2004 got but broadway creds yeah i've seen him on broadway also He's knowing lovely. that they were trying to make this since it came up exactly. on broadway it's like yeah it's like antonio it. banderas um I'm, I'm interested in like a raul esparza you know, because oh. he can really sing and he's got that danger. Sure. He's got that darkness. I thought you were going to say that Raul Julia. I do love that Raul Julia, <laughs> but I don't quite see Phantom for him. Mm. Um, I mean, he could do it, I but I'm mean, kind of. Can you just imagine it, though? No. I mean, I can always imagine Raul Julia. Um, uh, another thought I had in this one I'm actually far more interested in, just thinking of that. Cyrano he has out is Peter Dinklage, who's oh. also not like a singer singer. Yeah. But as. I would say it's not a big leap to say he's a better actor than Gerard Butler. I think he's one of the best actors we have working yeah. today, you know? And I'm like, well, that's, that's maybe someone also with something to say about someone who is uh, quote unquote, different to what the world expects a person to look like moves through the world. Like he can yeah. speak to that very authentically without having to, you know, do anything about it. Um, I think that'd be very interesting. I have Ewan McGregor on here, but I really think he's more of a Raul. He's such a Raul. You know, but I'm like, well, he could sing it better. And he's, it's the same yeah, range. Yeah, but it's. He still wouldn't yeah. sing it as well as it needs to be sung. Um, I, I just because um, I was thinking like Patrick Wilson, like I'm thinking Hugh Jackman, but I, I mm. and also because like Les Mis, I just, I don't love it. Yeah. I would understand if he was up for it. I don't. It, I don't need it. Also, I just don't think he would sing it as well. No, but none of these people on this list are going to sing it as well as it needs to be sung. Raleigh Spars is going to come the closest. And even this is like, right. he's not that kind of singer. Right. Um, but he would sound the best out of everyone on this list. So those are my thoughts. <laughs> just threw down my notebook. You and, threw uh, that notebook down like you were challenging me to a duel. And that was your glove. <laughs> um, yeah. So 
Yeah. Gerard Butler, I just don't care for it. I I don't like it. He got cast because Joel Schumacher was impressed by his performance in Dracula 2000 as Dracula, who's, uh, yeah. Dracula 2000, people. Let my silence tell you <laughs> but what the I think. Fact that he'd had that and like a few small things, but it was still like, this is what introduced him to everyone. And then two years later with 300, I thought 300 was before this. Nope. 300 is what introduced him. Like, Oh, you're like a big, like muscly action, like intense action guy. And that's where he like took that and ran. And that's all we know him for now is like action, occasional, like, rom-com stuff like the ugly truth or not rom-com but like but p.s like, i love you but stuff like if they're remaking a period if they're remaking dangerous liaisons gerard butler's not getting an audition for Valma. no you're get, well as we saw him in the recent revival if he could sing lee of schreiber is the phantom Ugh, fine i, I still think it. he was he, i don't think he was the best choice for Valma, but okay. like he's a he's a better actor he's by giving far you than danger <laughs> yeah no that's true <laughs> on um, stage and yeah. oh. but the fact that this is like what we gerard butler first really exploded with this and then everything we came to it's like if jason statham's first film was him as billy flynn in chicago and then he did <laughs> the transporter <laughs> and the meg and fast and furious but like but you're like always in the back of your mind you're like remember when yeah razzle dazzle um it'd be it's just bananas to me that this is like what happened um so i've got a lot of thoughts and i've got all these actors are people who we've seen sing either in a movie some of them have stage cred or they're just some of them have like their own songs these are all people kind of throughout time from between when the musical came out and when the and today some of these are too young like and also some are too handsome, but you know, it's, I get it. I get you want a sexy yeah, phantom yeah. like a Chris Pine. If this was made today, You'd sing it better. I'm interested. Tom Hiddleston can sing. Oh. I'm interested. He can act for sure. It was made earlier or in 2004. Val Kilmer. He, he learned to sing in the doors and he sings. It's like the band was like, we can't tell the difference between Val Kilmer singing and the, what's his face? Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison from the doors. Um, I'm like, Okay. He is not someone I often think of. He's not someone sure. I often think of. But sure. he, I think, does have a lighter touch than Gerard Butler. Yeah. I didn't realize he could sing. And then I was listening to him sing She's Like the Wind. Patrick Swayze has a oh. pretty good voice on him. And I'm like, if this is made kind of coming right after the show, if this is like a That's early 90s. That's the kind 90s, of sensitive phantom boy. He can bring you like, maybe he's a bit dangerous, but he's got the sensitivity. He's yes. got that dirty dancing sensitivity. Um, I'm always loving him. I always want him for everything. Give me that Oscar Isaac. I mean. I forgot that about. I hear um, him singing very differently. and yeah. Stuff like Inside Lewin Davis, but I could see that. Very different. Joaquin Phoenix. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, that did not occur to me. That's more what I'm interested in. I mean, I don't know. Cause he said he's great in walk the line singing cash and he sings. Which let's say that's a Johnny cash, different vocal range than very different. Very different. So I don't know. That is, um, I'm intrigued. I'm that's someone who, if you have only half your face to act with is going to give me a lot. It's going to give me twice as much. Phoenix only needs that max a quarter of a face. And he's giving you, he's, putting it over the finish line he's giving you everything you need he doesn't need he doesn't need a whole face to act in the 90s it's not perfect but he does sing 
I could see a Kevin Bacon if this is like in the 90s. Uh, but I, but if you want like not, and not to say that Kevin Bacon is not an attractive man, but if you don't want like a smoke show sex, yeah. if you want like, a, oh, he might be a bit of a weirder phantom. Kevin Bacon was doing some weird character stuff in the no, 90s as well. True. A very villainous River Wild Sleepers. I, I'm yeah, kind is, of a weirdo. Sleepers the one where he's the prison guard? Well, he's like the, for like youths. And yeah, the, like the one that like, takes place in Philly. I, I think it's Sleepers. I'm yeah. going to say yes. Whatever it is, it's the first time I heard a Philly accent and I was oh. so confused. <laughs> I was like, I don't, this makes no sense to moi. Also, I mean, we've lost him very sadly, but there's a clever line of him singing Man's World and he sounds a fucking dream. Give me that Chadwick Boseman. Oh. I know. I know. I know. Trust me. I know. It does hurt to think about him. Yeah, but he sounded so good. I'm like, ooh, that is something I didn't mm-hmm. know that I mm-hmm. would have liked. We'll also add Angela Weber said in a 2021 interview ooh, with Variety. Hot off the presses, practically. That he personally felt director Joel Schumacher made a mistake in casting Gerard Butler. You think? He felt he was too young, 34, to... I mean, Rossum's 17. And the whole point of the Phantom is he needs to be quite a bit older than Christine. So I think to Angeloid Weber, he should feel like a stand-in for the father. Okay, but then please, can we have someone who's at least 20 playing Christine? Like I I mean, Angeloid Weber, it clearly did not was it was he wasn't he wanted Catherine Zeta Jones. So he wanted true. Catherine Zeta Jones and I don't know, someone who's we much older. He wanted young chick. Catherine Zeta Jones and Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer is a phantom. <laughs> He's old enough. I would watch it. <laughs> Something good. He's probably like, I'm never doing another musical, not after the Captain Von Trapp of well, it all. Well, but it was because it was so gooey and syrupy sweet, according to him. So maybe something that's oh. not, maybe it's like, oh, I get to kill a, you know, hang this stage hand and no get into a sword fight. This. No, no stupid kids. Um, as for the actors who were actually considered, of course, as Sarah Brightman was set to play Christine, Michael Crawford, sure. who originated the role, was who set had to been play in films before. We'd seen him in Hello Dolly, you know, like he wasn't unknown. That's true to the cinema. That's true. The, the film project was confirmed in 1989. That's how yeah. early we were so trying to get this made. Um, Broadway, yeah. Broadway release. Right. And of course, after Angela Weber and Sarah Brightman divorced, everything was put on hold. By the time of 2004, the, no. the time had passed for Michael Le- Crawford. No. So in the late 90s was when they were then really trying to get this going again. Sure. And John Travolta was seriously concerned. Oh. And I'm getting it. I get that. See, the thing that I like about Gerard Butler at the time is that we don't have, we're not attaching anything to no. him. And it's harder, especially if you feel like you got the mask on and then the makeup. It's like, if yeah. you don't, if we don't know this person, we're like, this is who this is. Opposed to Travolta where you're like, it's Travolta wearing a mask. And yes. now it's Travolta wearing a bunch of silly makeup. Yeah. So it can be hard to put aside all of that. For to sure. me, I can understand that, but I'm seeing it. I sure, get it. Totally. I get it. I don't, I don't hate it as much as I thought that I would. You would never want him to do it on Broadway. But but for it to be on camera, If Travolta said, I want to do Broadway, put me in anywhere, he's going to be playing Billy Flynn in Chicago. Oh, and honestly, that's Honestly, I might go back and see Chicago again. I would be interested in that. Pamela Anderson is playing Roxy right now. She sure is. I know it. People are going back to Chicago to see, (laughs) how's Pamela Anderson doing? How's she doing? Uh, yeah. So I can see Travolta and ding, ding, ding to Amy Joe. Antonio Banderas was seriously considered in the late nineties as well. He spent several years in vocal preparation wow. and sang the role of the Phantom in 
great performances, Angela Weber, the Royal Albert Hall oh. celebration in 1998. So he's got so the So he's chops. still got to do like a major concert version of it. True. Least, but you know. I'm like, he's giving you sexy. He's giving you he's dangerous. A better actor. He's a better actor. He's yeah. a better singer. Yeah. I'm like, Antonio Banderas will be and so good. we already know he looks good in the mask, baby. Zorro. <laughs> Zorro. Um, yeah, if you couldn't get him, you could get uh, the other Zorro in that movie. Anthony Hopkins as the Phantom. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Uh, in very early stages of production, Kevin Spacey was considered, which I no, get, but I don't want. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I don't. The wanna. the creep factor would be right. That's so, true. That's know. true. Instead, in two thousand four, he was directing and starring in Beyond the Sea as Bobby Darren. Oh, right, another music thing. So another music thing, which he was uh, about like. 15 years older than Bobby Darren was when he died. So right. also like, oh, this is too old for this. Right. Uh, Meatloaf was considered. I don't hate it. I know he's got the range, darling. Yeah. Interest. I'm interested. Here's the deal. Phantom, all of Andrew Lloyd Webber's stuff, but particularly Phantom because it lives in the opera world. It, it lives on the edge of opera-esque and pop musical theater pop rock same way that like Les Mis which is not an Andrew Lloyd it's not Andrew Lloyd Webber for those who don't know but it is you kind of get different styles depending on the production as to how how like pop it's sung versus how like straight up legit musical theater like right it's sung and so with someone like the Phantom I have my preferences, but I'm also open to hearing other yeah. versions. And if it's someone who can legitimately sing in like a pop rock style, but not like quote unquote sing rock, which could right. mean a lot of different yeah. things, but someone who meatloaf is an incredible vocalist. This is like having a theatrical your, uh, style. your Jekyll and Hyde revival with Constantine Morales, Marulis, which is yes. Morales, yeah. sorry. but someone who is like, that's not what I want in the sound of something like this that lives in a rock of ages, but stuff like Jekyll and Hyde and Phantom. I get it with meatloaf. I'm not crazy about it. Instead in 2004, he was doing a movie called a hole in one, which is a, apparently a comedy where he plays a gangster whose girlfriend, Michelle Williams grows convinced that she's going crazy. And the only way to be cured is to have a lobotomy. It looks bananas interesting so that's what he was doing instead in 2004 <laughs> michael jackson wanted to play the phantom well michael jackson wanted a lot of things. <laughs> he uh saw it in new york he saw it when it opened in 1988 and um he saw it several times and talked to andrew lloyd weber backstage and uh andrew lloyd weber said that although jackson wanted to play the film version of the phantom he felt it was, it's too early, too early for Phantom to become a film because the stage musical had just opened. And I think that's a real easy way to be like, we're trying to make this happen as soon as possible, but we're not trying to make it happen with you. Well, before people knew right. things about him, like, there's an incredibly dynamic performer. Like, sure. I, you know, they, to a certain extent, probably would have thought they would have been lucky to have him. Um, but it was very much not the, the sound, style. No. The sound, the style. No. Not right for this. No, no. no. But uh, anyway. No idea if he can sing or to if any con- extent was up for it. But Brendan Fraser reportedly was really wanted there the role. There were moments with the mask and the way his hair was that I was like, wow, Gerard Butler's giving me Brendan Fraser. Wow. I mean, that Rick O'Connell and the mummy, he'd be a yeah. very sexy phantom. Uh, in 2004, instead, he was in Crash, Revenge of the Mummy, The Ride, <laughs> is wow. listed on IMDb. Wow. <laughs> and uh, a very solid episode of Scrubs. 
And another ding, ding, ding to Amy Jo, because Hugh Jackman was considered, but was unavailable due to Van Helsing. Oh, I was like, due to Wolverine? No. No, Van Helsing. Yeah, I don't, again, I don't love it, but I think at that point in, like, by that point, it's just like, of course you're, if anyone sings in a movie, Hugh Jackman is there. He's like, hello? Yeah. Mr. Hollywood? I mean, that's like, he's... Some of those songs in Les Mis, I'm just like, this isn't the sound that I want for Jean Valjean, that it's his, his, for, oh yeah, the no, Hugh Jackman, I, like his he, tone. He, I don't think it's, yeah, I, I don't I think want he's that as strong a vocalist. I want that rich baritone in those high notes as well. I yeah. mean, folks, listener, just go to YouTube. People made a compilation of just like the, one of the, like the high notes, uh, da, 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 the high note in, music, in uh, the music of the night with like 18 different phantoms oh over the gosh. years. And there's, it it's like, be- it's a gorgeous note after gorgeous note. And I don't know if I'm getting that from Hugh Jackman, but that sound means it's time to play a quick round of two truths and some guy. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of the phantom and one was not. Amy Jo is to guess which is which. Oh, brother. Your options are mm-hmm. Heath Ledger. Interesting. Jared Leto. Less interesting. And Matthew McConaughey. Deeply uninteresting. <laughs> um, I'm going to go some guys, Jared Leto. Wow. The way that some episodes you <laughs> take, let me, you hem and haw for about 10 minutes trying to figure out, <laughs> try to read my mind. And today you're just so blatantly coming out the gate. Like, no, it's this done. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> dropped. Part of, part of the reason I'm is leaving. I, I am so uninterested because <laughs> I just hate spending any time imagining it. <laughs> Um, but also I feel like, you know, it's like, all right, you got one Joker that would actually be really good. You got one Joker that I think, no, thank you. And you've got one guy who's just a Joker in life. You know what I mean? Oh, so brother. I just went with Jared Leto. Oh, brother. I don't know. Well, ding, ding, ding. Yay! You are correct. As far as I could tell, Jared Leto was not considered, but I could understand if he was. I would so sure. get that. Especially if they were considering Heath Ledger and Matthew McConaughey age wise. I just think he maybe wasn't as like big then as he is now. I think he was, you know, yeah. like he'd already, he'd been in stuff like Requiem for a Dream. Like he, he's in films and he's, he's got films. 30 seconds to Mars. He's also in a band. He sings. You're I like, see. okay. And he's like his look wise. I get it. Look wise. Sure. Today, today I'm, I see it look wise though. I wouldn't want it whatsoever. Um, but Heath Ledger, I'm like, he was like 28 when he died. So he must've been like 23, 24 when he was being considered here. Wow. I know. But very good at acting. He's so, so good at I acting. I don't care. Very true. But I can't see it with Heath Ledger. I uh, really can't see it with Matthew McConaughey. I mean, push the guy off a bridge before he starts singing. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, really, I'm thinking in the movie, just someone, like, push the Phantom off, off somewhere and then, like, problem solved, uh-huh. you know? Uh-huh. You know? That's right, Christine. It's me, the ghost of your father. You're uh-huh. hiding in this cathedral. Uh, that's me. That's all I ask of you, girl. Get on in here. Uh, no. No. Not like this. Not like this. Uh, but those were all the characters that I found other casting options for. But there are a few characters I didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. Patrick Wilson as Raul. Here's my thing with Patrick Wilson. Talk to me. I think 80% of the problem, no. 60% of the problem is this is a boring role yes, as written. Absolutely. Then... of the the problem is it's the wig. (laughs) Why does Patrick Wilson look exactly like Wes Anderson in this (laughs) movie? (laughs) He look, if you listener, 
just look up Wes Anderson on IMDb and then ask me why do they why did they get a wig maker to make a Wes Anderson wig on Raul? Wig maker, wig maker. On Patrick Wilson, like when Patrick Wilson has a little bit of a longer hair for a role, that's not what his hair looks like. So no. it, it looks so unnatural on his head. It's uh it's not great. Here's my problem with Patrick Wilson in this part. I will agree that a lot of it's just like Raul kind of thankless. Very thankless. But it's it's also if it, Patrick Wilson is someone who's like been on Broadway multiple times, played leading men. Patrick Wilson would never, even before it was like too small a part for him to play, probably he's never playing Raul in Phantom. There's like not really a part for Patrick Wilson in Phantom on the Broadway stage. It's just like he's not a Raul. So the yeah. idea that somehow that's going to transfer to screen simply because he'd also done some screen stuff and it's like, oh, you really sing and you can sing this part doesn't mean he's a good fit for the role. Like he's he's like slicker, you know, he's just kind of like I'm thinking of him like full Monty or like he's just. Well, Oklahoma is less slick. No, that's Curly very Oklahoma true. Is kind of that. But it's still hall. it's it's more working class. Both of those parts than Raul yeah. is a literal count, mm, you know, and yeah. so there's something about this kind of like put on sort of thing. And not that I feel like we he's need a acting. real dandy in this role. Yeah, it's not like I feel like he's acting at it or anything. It's just like it, it looks like a wig, you know, and, and that's what yeah. the performance feels kind of like he's doing his best with something that is not that great. Whereas for some people who kind of live more in this space, generally you fill it out a little more readily. Cause you're not also like, how do I, there's nothing here. Right. But you the know? voice, the voice, well, the voice is great. Again, Gold. the true angel of music <laughs> and he sounds stunning. He is always at the center of the pitch and using vibrato. <laughs> uh, who could have thunk? Who could have thunk? We got that. Simon Callow and Kieran Hines is Andrea Furman and no notes. They're I love great. them. I think they're so Truly fun. Great. They're so charming. I'm always interested whenever we cut away to them. And, and I'm still shocked that it's Kieran Hines. Yes. And I don't know because I don't know their singing voices. I'm assuming they're dubbed, but like it's really good vocal matches. If not, I don't like, know if they are, Um, but they sound really good and yeah. uniform. Like it, it's seamless no matter what. They might not be dubbed. Prima Donna performed by Kieran Hines, Simon Callow. Yeah, it. They sound great. Yeah, it's them doing their. Own. I think. I think. Uh, oh, what's her face? Me. Mini Driver. I was gonna say Mimi Rogers, and that sure isn't right. <laughs> Mini Driver. Mini. Thank you. Mini Driver. Uh, I think is the only one who was dubbed. Which uh, right. good on Kieran Hines. Well, and, and Simon part Callow. of it is because like their stuff is so fast. Yeah. That it's not like these big lush notes that need to sound sure. like epic uh, in a good way. Yeah. We got Miranda Richardson as Madame Jerry, which she's fine, but it's over. It's this is Madame Miranda Richardson. If you go back, go back to Blackadder, go back to even like Sleepy Hollow. She, I love Miranda Richardson best when she is giving me unhinged. And Madame Jerry is not. This isn't what I want. No, it's like mysterious and and um, real vankless uh, role for Miranda Richardson. Well, it's make not that a, money, girl. It's not but, a big part on Broadway. Right. It's like a part that's like you're glad to have because you're not having to do that much, True. but it's, it's not it's something that you're going to usually hire someone. No one famous is going in and playing Madame Jury. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Miranda Richardson had like an Oscar nomination at this no, point. Oh, I'm, you mean on no, stage? I mean on, on stage. stage. Yeah. So like you. they've beefed it up a little bit. Right. But I'm know? like, I want someone a little more, I don't know, stalwart. Give me a Brenda Fricker. Give me old pigeon lady. Oh, Give me. No. She has to, she has to also, the, the look of it is very like, been dancing every day of her life you know okay, she, she is enough. the ballet mistress so just to right. say that you can't have like 
a thicker kind of woman okay. doing that. But like okay. the the she's very spo- much supposed to be Fair like enough. just stepped out of the ballet corps like as a, a few years back, you know. <laughs> uh we have Jennifer Ellison as Christine's ch- friend Meg as Madame Jerry's Meg daughter. According to her, Joel Schumacher did not understand most of what she was saying because of her Liverpool accent. <laughs> <laughs> which is very funny to me. Uh in in an interview on The View, Minnie Driver said that to master her diva-like Italian accent, she channeled an old neighbor she had when she lived in Venice as a child. Amazing. Which I love that. And yeah, all the principal actors sang in the film except for Minnie Driver. Uh, but so she does get to sing Learn to Be Lonely at the end, which was nominated And again, for an hiring Oscar. someone who can actually sing so that they're going to, even if she doesn't sing in like an opera style, traditionally, right. she like is doing a good job of, the lip sync and the breath work with it. So you feel like it's authentically coming from her in the moment. Totally. But I think she's great. I think she's so I, fun. She's delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, final thoughts, Amy Joe. any moments we've been touched on any characters we didn't get to. The only note that I've written down that I haven't touched on, which was just me in the moment being really snarky is like when the, you know, the chandelier lifts and the, Boom, like the phantom theme comes in the da 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 and it starts going into color. I were oh yeah, because nineteen nineteen loved a synth. <laughs> That's all. Don't forget that electric guitar in uh, Phantom of the Opera. I, you, they never let you. I, I was so shocked by that electric guitar. Is that on in Broadway as well? In the orchestrations, an electric guitar? It's the same guy did the orchestrations for the movie as did it originally. And there was talk at the time of like updating a bit because there's, there is something fun about having that jarring, very different sound come in, but it's so of 1987. (laughs) And so it sounds kind of laughable at times. It's just like, well, it's, it's what's expected, but is there a way to orchestrate it that incorporates that, but doesn't like rely on these electric instruments in this way that feels so of an era? They're clearly not interested in it. They're like, this is the sound. It's iconic. We're going to keep it. And I like, I respect that to a certain extent. And I do also have to go, huh? To (laughs) another extent. I will end on this. Um, You only get him an image of him, but as the picture of Christine's father is Ramin Camerlou, who has oh. played the Phantom and Raoul. So he's the only person to date who has played the three men in Christine's life. He's wow. played her father, he's played the Phantom, and he's played Raoul. Amy Joe? Maui, Jeff. <laughs> what are you <laughs> recommending this week? Well, we've we've intimated it up to this point, but I'm just gonna give you some names for you to go YouTube and listen to like beautiful baritenors singing some of these are like phantom people some of them are just like people you might not know but who are great if you're a broadway actor person listening to this then you know these people but you know but refresh it's great we started immediately with ben crawford who is the current broadway phantom who amazing the first time i heard this guy sing live was in an off-broadway show called jasper and deadland and i like wanted to throw my shoes immediately i was like who is that what am I hearing? Because he was a standby for many years for like Brian Darcy James and, and uh, Norbert Leo Butts in various shows like Shrek and uh, Big, Big Fish. Fish, all that kind of stuff. So he's like well known as like a great voice standby. And he's he's playing the Phantom right now. And ah, like unbelievable. Just like the way the voice just like opens up. Stunning. One of my other favorite voices is Alfie Bow, who has not played Phantom, but like was the Valjean. And if you watch the like 25th anniversary uh, recording of uh, of that that concert, that's Alfie Bow playing Valjean. And that I mean, he is an opera singer, but 
Woo! The fullness of the voice. Now, also in that concert, but someone who's also played the Phantom, previously mentioned Norm Lewis, one of our best voices. Just tremendous. These are people who have not played the Phantom, to my knowledge, but just other great Broadway baritenors that I encourage you to go listen to. Max von Essen. Mm. Brian Stokes Mitchell. Uh-huh. Duh. Of uh, ragtime and uh, you know, many other things. Brian Darcy James, mm. who was the guy who played Shrek that Ben Crawford, uh, but listen to him do other things other than Shrek. My introduction to Brian Darcy James was uh, Titanic. Titanic singing uh, Barrett's song. Uh, and or Steve, that off Broadway. Listen to him doing the off Broadway wild, wild party. party. That's what the is it about Ooh, her? What is it yeah. about her? Strong recommend. Um, Stephen Pasquale, who uh, is also, you've seen him in stuff, but he. Mm-hmm is most known for probably vocally on like a recording would be um, Bridges of Madison County, a show, right. full disclosure. I absolutely loathed when I saw it, but he <laughs> But we're recommending no, no, you I check out him. I recommend you check out videos of him singing because <laughs> it is a great experience. And I've seen him in other things that I much prefer. Robert Bridegroom, he was tremendous in that, but I don't know if there's a recording. So just like, Go in there and start looking at related videos. Look at guys who played Phantom for years, like Hugh Pinero or Howard McGillan. Like those are guys who played it forever and have like these beautiful, like contemporary Broadway voices. Um, And just like enjoy letting that rich sound wash over you. Mm, Love it. Jeff. Amy Jo. What is it you are recommending? Uh, you know, we're doing a musical this week, and for whatever reason, I was just like, what? Is there another movie? Is there some other TV show I've been watching or something? I was like, I'm just going to recommend some music. So oh, if you're great. just looking for some new music, I'm, I just love some alternative rock in various shades. So here's just what I'm listening to currently is Future Islands, uh, Mateel, I've just heard of, and I've been obsessively listening to them, uh, The Deer Hunter, D-E-A-R, I love, in terms of more of like a bigger, like, not operatic, but just like a, just a very big epic sound. Kind of in, they're not like Meatloaf, but in like a theatrical kind of. Very theatrical, more theatrical. Yeah. Uh, And this uh, group or band, Love Supreme, has this like crazy, this guy with this amazing. Is this that album you played for me? Yes, this amazing like bass I've honestly been waiting for you to recommend that album. Yeah, check out, check out Love Supreme, check out their album, check out uh, Lonely Feelings and Ain't No Remedy and Sun. Yeah, just listen to their album. They're, uh, this guy, there's just the combination of this guy's voice, the synth that they use is like very th- thrilling it's to me to listen so to. Cool. It's really beautiful. And anyway, where it all kicks in. Is yeah. Really- so that's, if you're just looking for some more music recommends, uh, check those guys out. And uh, that's what we're recommending this week. Da-da-da. So thank you again to Nicole. I believe you said this was your favorite movie. So I'm sorry that we've, we've got opinions. We are in theater. We, uh, you know, I cannot tell Peter how we are made. Sorry, but merci for writing oh, in. Merci, s'il vous plaît. Uh, <laughs> we beg mercy, s'il vous plaît. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> like with uh, Simon Cowell, Karen Hines, like with, with Colada. Grovel. Like, grovel, grovel. Grovel. Um, but it was very fun to revisit Absolutely. and chat about and to get to research and figure out all these people that were up for these roles over the years, especially for this show that I loved and saw for my first Broadway show to the point that I almost sent in a video to Rosie O'Donnell. Look, I love when we're sitting here recording this for the general public and I learn something new about you. It yeah. really makes me smile. Yay. So do you, listener, have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Follow us on Instagram at andalmoststarring. Like us. Love us. F- follow our <laughs> shenanigans. 
Uh, yeah, especially yeah, especially every Friday, where Amy Joe is running the Instagram game for you to guess what movie we're possibly covering what next. What could week. it be? And I mean, like you, Amy Joe, like I don't want to sugarcoat it. Like you, you put a lot of work into this game. It's always be a fun time. How long it takes, listener. <laughs> To go through and find stupid stock images. It's really fun. It's real stupid. So put in a put in a guess. It's every Friday. Put in your guess, uh, listener. Uh, and until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. I am uh, Ayusha Amy Jojessen. Thanks for joining us to see who almost starred. <laughs> <laughs>